0: I mean, Coach Stig does do some gamesmanship, right? Like, yeah. maybe oh, yeah. he, he, he may not name a starter until the actual day of, and why would you? I wouldn't yeah. name one. Yeah. Personally, I wouldn't name one, but I would tell the team. That's probably what he'll do.
1: This is the Splitting
0: Hairs Podcast brought to you by Jackrabbit Illustrated.
1: You know, we like the long ball, that's for sure. So we hit that a lot last year, especially early. Again, we, we really did like that long ball. I do want to highlight uh, Coach Schleissner, obviously,
0: for de- developing some of these guys too, but Coach Ryan Olson coming in as a first year coach at the position for tight ends and, and really developing them well mm-hmm. and knowing how to kind of uh, cycle in that talent. So, yeah, kudos to them, man. It's, it's very difficult coming in, earning respect, building rapport with your guys right off the
1: rip. Last time they acted like they won the state championship, we need to take them to the woodshed. Yes, absolutely. And Jim, I got in trouble with Coyote Nation. Now here are your hosts, Matt Tollefson and Kyle Sheehan. And welcome back to the Splitting Hairs podcast presented by Jackrabbit Illustrated, as well as our title sponsor, Drake's Place Sea store out in Bowdle, South Dakota. Um, Kyle, we didn't get to see you
0: last week. How are you doing? feeling good man i was uh i was kind of down and out you know had caught the caught the thing that was running around here um across the globe but you know I'm, I'm recovered i feel good and it's great to uh be rapidly approaching the season how you feeling
1: good yeah we we had our county fair this week and the hospital that i work for i'm part of our marketing team and so we have just been non-stop all week uh my diet is is derailed um but it's coming back tomorrow it's making the comeback uh but those cheese curds were worth it so they're always worth it man i miss
0: those midwestern uh street dances and fairs they do it like no other so uh that's one of the things i had to sacrifice for a little bit a little bit warmer weather but you know I, i like to go back to the minnesota fair whenever i can that's like obviously the big one
1: but yeah definitely minnesota iowa uh, you know, the Dirt Fair out in South Dakota. Gotta give him oh, yeah. a shout-out. Spent a lot of days there uh, showing cows. So, yeah. Um, so, Kyle, you know, last week we did Jackrabbit Superlatives. You know, who's breaking out? Who's going to be the offensive MVP, etc., etc. Game you're most looking forward to. And we're going to dive into something similar to that uh, today. We're going to give an offensive breakdown of the Jacks. And then we are looking at... Uh, the non-conference schedule as well as the conference schedule and I know you said you've been doing your homework I have no doubt about that you're you always come prepared um, so just any general impressions over the offense here as we get started you know in the spring fairly dynamic but what are you thinking now yeah you know I, I
0: kind of like the tightness of the fall season um, with the previous spring season just because a lot of those reps are fresh still Um, you know, ingrained in the body, right? The guys are gonna not be too far adrift from, you know, their, their technique, right? Um, And just having it fresh is kind of hopefully going to be able to translate into uh, a sound fall season and and maybe not as strong of an emphasis on the fundamentals, which obviously you you reserve fall camp for, but hopefully that's a little bit expedited and, and condensed. Um, I love the production that we had on the ground last year. I think you, me, Ben especially, um, I think we love seeing the rock toted by young and up and coming backs and also a guy like Pierre who uh, obviously is, you never know what could happen. could get a hit home run every time he touches it. Um, and then that three headed monster, um, but obviously we'll get into kind of the question mark uh, on the offensive side of the ball, but, but a lot of experience entering the fold into that position. Um, and then, you know, go on down the line, but I'm really encouraged. Uh, I really am encouraged at the amount of returners we have on the offensive line. Um, cause obviously you win in the trenches with the 605 hogs. Um, but I'm excited to see some, some real youthful talent emerge. Um, we talked about it last year. We had a really, really young roster kind of mixed with some, some really sound, uh, leadership. So it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, let's go down just really quick, some general stats for this offensive unit, okay? So last spring, they averaged 29.2 points per game, nearly 30 points a game. Uh, That's pretty outstanding in the Valley to be able to do that. You know, you saw it in the playoffs going up against some different teams from other conferences. They were still able to score. Um, So that's, you know, if you can do it in the Valley, you should be able to score against anyone else in the country. Uh, Rushing, you know, you mentioned that. 231.7 yards per game on the ground uh and there were there was a lot of times where it felt like it could have been more you know the first few games of the year you and i and und specifically we weren't running the ball that effectively yet um but after that und game it felt like that's when we committed to the run a little more so um that could be even greater this fall we'll see um next up passing yards you know, with Mark last year um, being a new starter, you know, some some games, a true freshman, some games were good. Some games were, were not as good, um, but we still 171.4 yards per game, um, 7.9 uh, average per pass, and then 13.8 average per catch. You know, we like the long ball, that's for sure. So we hit that a lot last year, especially early. Again, we, we really did like that long ball um and that's our offensive statistically you know we did a good job of protecting the quarterback uh last year did a good job of of limiting turnovers so that's where we're at now um you two mentioned just a little bit you know about about the youth and building on that but you also mentioned that big question mark let's start there
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i mean obviously mark came in and kind of turned a lot of heads, uh, obviously due to got some guys who were already, you know, on the squad, having to take some time off due to COVID and just missing those reps. Um, but he really took the reins and kind of took the the nation or at least at the FCS level by storm, um, with just his grit and his moxie and his savvy and all those, um, you know, intangible words you could use to describe him. But, uh, one of the things I like to look at, if you just look at globally, Um, in terms of the statistics, the percentage of completion, I like hovering right near the 55, 60% mark. Um, what that's going to, you know, yield regardless of who's under center is that, you know, you got guys like tight ends getting open, you're you're running efficient route schemes throughout the route tree. Um, there's great DB play in the Valley. I mean, Mm -hmm. there, there just is Southern Illinois has guys in the league, um, you and I consistently has solid corner play, um, and then you got Illinois State who has linebackers at the second level and and uh, DBs in, in in the league as well. So I mean, uh, no matter who you line up against, you're going to be challenged. So I like to see that percentage hovering around that mark. I'd like to see a guy like Chris or uh, Heidi come in and and really flirt with that sixty percent mark, just because that means we're taking care of the ball, we're being efficient in terms of um making the most of our opportunities and then also uh you know that's going to open up the run game and vice versa the run game is going to open up the pass game so as far as who (laughs) as far as who helms the jacks going into week one um i i haven't heard them name a starter um i would imagine coach stig i mean coach stig does do some gamesmanship right like maybe he he, he may not name a starter until the actual day of and why would you i wouldn't name one yeah. Personally I wouldn't name one but I would tell the team. That's probably what he'll do. Okay. Um I think that's a smart idea. It's a great chess move. Um yeah. if I had to just guess, uh I would I would guess that Chris would get the nod just simply because a lot of experience, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of experience. He uh he bet on the Jacks. Uh it's not a slight to to Keaton because honestly I really I do like some of the things that I saw from Keaton and I think having been thrown into the fire in an absolutely you know just insurmountable mm-hmm. <laughs> conditions type game as far as with the weather a monsoon as far as, far as <laughs> a, an absolute monsoon and then a, a beautiful day at the beach right yeah. after yeah. in the fourth quarter and then you got you know you you had no reps leading up mm-hmm. i'm sure mm-hmm. i mean minimal minimal at best
1: yep and, and then that sam houston defense is good too at it, every it, level it, that, was, stars. that was
0: one of the yeah. best defenses we've seen in a while especially yeah. across the, the defensive front seven which was making it difficult for him and yeah. um we're not going to talk about that game anymore that's not going to come up um but with that all that being said you know nationally going back and forth a little bit on twitter with some people who do follow the classification pretty closely i'm hearing oh well, the jacks got this question mark at quarterback mm-hmm. and that could be mm-hmm. tough and the reality is the team up north has a question mark at quarterback too but i think if you look at both situations the guys coming in to potentially fill that spot as grad transfers have a lot of really sound experience both at the fbs level and then chris coming in from a sanford program that's known for developing quarterback talent right Mm -hmm. so i mean there's a lot to be encouraged by regardless of who takes
1: the reps under center uh for that game one yeah i 100 percent agree and you know i want to echo what you said. Why would Stig name a starter? Uh, we want Colorado State having to dig through South Florida tape yep. and Samford tape. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, we want him watching Keity, Keaton from two years ago. Like, who knows what it's going to be. Um, you know, in the highlight tapes that we've seen, the highlights of, of practice uh, that Jacks have been posting, Keaton's been throwing a lot of nice long balls too. Like, it, it, you know, the first few weeks it looked like just it was a lot of Chris's uh, beautiful deep throws and crossers and things like that. Um, and then in the last few weeks here though, Keaton's been just as prominent in those tapes. So who knows? I feel good about the position. I do too. Obviously we are, we're, we're going to have a
0: little bias. We're going to lean towards the Jacks, uh, Mm -hmm. being better regardless, I would say, but, um, trying to be as objective as possible. I want to underscore something. I mean, if you go back to 2019, you know, when Keaton stepped into the fire, he did really well. He did admirable, right? Mm -hmm. Um, showing some good command. I think when he was really decisive things, things worked out well for him, which tends to be the case with quarterbacks. Um, and then obviously it's a, it's a completely different approach to the game when you're taking those first string reps in practice, right? Because Mm -hmm. you're developing chemistry with guys who are seeing more time with you. You're getting a feel for your offensive line and how, you know, how they're starting to to work together with their calls with their you know with their sets you're developing that feel for pocket presence and all that stuff so i'm I, again like you said just to emphasize it i'm encouraged
1: by both uh, chris or keith yeah and you know just I, I always like to round out look ahead you know I, I love roster building um so just to look ahead a little bit uh probably your third quarterback on the roster this year is going to be rudy voss uh Second year player, still listed as a freshman, but second year player uh, out of Jackson County Central. Uh, we talked about Rudy last week. Everyone knows Rudy from that Sports Center clip of the Minnesota State Championships. You love the heart. Um, you know, you listen to him on that radio interview, I don't know, back in May after the national championship game from back home. Uh, just a really, uh, I don't know, someone that's easy to root for, definitely. And he's showing some nice ability as well. Uh, The other quarterbacks on the roster, Cade Rice, the three-star QB out of Ohio, um, played at uh, Northmont High School um, there. uh, And he has teammates at Wisconsin and Michigan. That's who he was throwing passes to uh, last year. Um, Dallas was at, you know, he mentioned he was at the the youth camp a couple weeks ago, and he said, Cade Rice just catches your eye. You know, he's 6'3". Uh, he's, he's built already as a, as a incoming freshman. So that's pretty cool. Uh, I like looking forward to that in the future, as well as John Bell, um, uh, out of Illinois. He was a late signee from Napa, Napperville North. Uh, North I believe side. he played. Yeah. Oh, uh, nope. Uh, he, the counter yeah, high school. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he played wide receiver, um, up until his last year and a half and he was the best athlete on the team and they didn't have a quarterback. So they said, well, here you go. You're a quarterback now. Was so, he, was he coming from NIU or is it, am I getting Nope. Nope. That's uh, that's a wide receiver. That's wide receiver. So, that's right. Yep. So that's our, that's our quarterback group. Uh, we got a comment here. Oh yeah. We, we'll talk about Tucker craft, Jason. Don't worry. Who is he? I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Uh, Timberlake, did he ever play quarterback or was he just running <laughs> back at Timberlake? All right, <laughs> right, let's go to running backs. So, uh, I'll, I'll just kick us off quick and talk about, uh, Pierre. You know, Pierre's the the three-time All-American now looking to make it four this year. Um, as we said last week, maybe didn't have the spring that he wanted. You know, that early ankle injury, um, those nagging ankle injuries just sometimes affect us um, uh, well into the season. Um, it felt like as the season went along, he began to get a little more comfortable. Um, but still, uh, as you mentioned in, in, in talking about this group as a whole, He's a home run threat to hit, you know, to take it to the house, any given play. That's what makes him scary. Um, and and he's on everyone's draft radar already. Um, so if Pierre does a, even a decent, you know, a good season again, an, an average Pierre season. Um, <laughs> thanks, Jason. <laughs> This guy's funny. All right, this is his comment. I'm Jason from Nebraska. All right, <laughs> thanks, Jason. <laughs> love it. So yeah, we love it. Thanks for being here. Um, and so yeah, Pierre has a lot to prove. You know, he's on the Senior Bowl watch list. Um, and and uh, every NFL team knows who he is. So uh, we'll see what he can do. What else you got for the group, Kyle? Yeah, you know, I love
0: I love what you said about Pierre. He uh, you know, probably self proclaimed even would say he had an average spring campaign but if your average spring campaign nets you 731 yards um 5.4 average three touchdowns uh and a 53 long and one of those coming against uh the team from up north in a pivotal game i mean he's a gamer right like he really does rise up in some pivotal moments i think that's that to me is what would highlight his career if you think about pierre because what he did in the in the dome as a freshman you know, just running all through the Bison when I think they had that year, I think they were giving up maybe 10, 11, uh, points a game. Mm -hmm. And he was just, you know, obviously they're known for having a stout rush defense. So what he was able to do then and just continue to do throughout the course, course of his career, obviously, um, the game winner against UNI to open the Mm -hmm. season, which was really like a pivotal game. I mean, that would be one of your FCS kickoff games. If it, uh, if it were the opening game and opening weekend in the fall, right? Like that would probably get garner some, some potential ESPN play or some FS1 play if it were a bigger conference. So um, Pierre, I love what he does out of the backfield as far as receiving too. You saw coach Eck the Mm -hmm. wizard start to dial up some, some really effective um, running back pass games, especially don't want to forget coach Luan either. He's, Mm -hmm. he's probably instrumental in that. Um, But then I want to move to the guy that is really, a fan favorite and honestly probably had one of the best national title games. I don't want to harp on this too much because we want to move on from it, but probably <laughs> one of the best performances you'll ever see in a national title game, potentially mm-hmm. any game mm-hmm. with one of the best runs you will ever lay eyes on. Mm-hmm. And that's Isaiah Davis just being a bully in pads, uh, a grown man um, against the Bearcats. So I'm excited to see what he does. Cause you know, Pierre is, he's a finesse guy. He's smooth. When he gets into open space, good luck. And mm-hmm. with Isaiah, he's a one cut. I can run through you, I can run by you type guy. Yeah. Um, with just enough burst to get into the end zone. So I'm excited about those prospects. Who else are you liking to pick up maybe that third Meacham type yeah. type so, workload?
1: So the two freshmen, or there's three freshmen backs on the roster: Amar Johnson, Josh Burray, and Daxon Lindholm. Um, and they're all a little bit different josh uh, was the transfer to brookings high school when minnesota didn't look like they were gonna have a season he still wanted that chance to prove himself and earn that d1 scholarship he bet on himself came to brookings and then um and then he uh he ended up earning a scholarship to the jacks and i believe he had one offer to und as well he's a bigger back he's a power back um and then amar johnson though is the three star prep that had a ton of different offers, um, some Mac offers, uh, out of, out of St. Louis, I believe. Um, he's a little more finesse, built like Pierre, um, a little more speed. So, I don't know, it's going to be interesting. It might depend. I'd, I'd imagine both of them are going to get their four game max. Um, Daxon, from what I've been told, he was an army commit and then, uh, something got messed up with his paperwork, he wasn't able to go to army, committed to us. I think he's going to need a year in the weight room potentially um, that he just looks a little slighter than than the other two. So we'll see. Um, it's really too bad. We talked about this last week that uh, uh, Jefferson Lee the uh, third was injured in the playoffs and you know injury retired because he would have had a prominent oh. role this year. So that was our that was our depth piece yeah. um, and, and so that's just too bad on him. So one thing one thing back on Isaiah this because this just blows my mind eight and a half yards per carry when they signed Isaiah Isaiah was supposed to be in that Mikey Daniel role that that kind of grinder just short yardage guy power back pure power back I don't think we necessarily saw (laughs) saw that 85 yard touchdown run being something that was going to be something that he did quite a bit like maybe not 85 yards but 50 plus you know i didn't see that coming with him so i gotta i gotta give a little nod to a movie that
0: that you and i probably saw when we were younger Do you ever watch rookie of the year the baseball movie yes remember yes. when chet steadman is telling roland gardner you gotta it's the have to it's well that's man. literally what what i i watched that i mean embarrassingly i watched that that highlight run in the natty probably like 20 times the day it happened maybe <laughs> who didn't watch it yeah. who didn't? right and it just looked like you, you can never defeat an indomitable will. And he mm-hmm. literally on that play, he's like, I am going to house this. Yeah. And, and that's that type of determination where sometimes guys get in trouble trying to do too much, but he really did trust his skill set. He had the ball high and tight and he does Chad, he gets better as games go on. And that's important because your team feeds off that there, there's those intangible things that you can't put on paper. You don't have stats for, but you just feel the presence and that momentum is real.
1: Yeah, Tammy says too. He's a beast. He's exciting exactly. to watch. Does not give up. Excellent. Yeah, very cool. So let's move on. We got to get moving here. Absolutely. <laughs> we talk about the running backs all day, I think if we could. Oh yeah. All right, wide receivers. Uh you want to kick it off with this? Sure. I mean, what's not to love about the Yankee Twins and then the
0: third aspect of that, you know, obviously the mad, uh, the Madison, uh, connection there with Layton. Um, so it's, it's it's really good to have, obviously Jackson, who's Mr. Reliable can take tops off, go, go in deep and really stretch the field. And what I really, really enjoyed, obviously we talked about it in last year's, uh, segments of pods, but I think that Jaden really came on strong after, you know, just having a, having an off game here and there, um, and really established himself as a go-to for Mark as the season progressed. Um, what I loved about Jaden, Jaden was literally leaving people's jock straps on the field. I mean, he was mm-hmm. taking one jab step and literally getting upfield and and really uh, making the most of his opportunities. So that was really nice to see him emerge. Um, obviously, you got Cannon, Cannon Bauer as well, who uh, you know against Southern Illinois had a had a kind of a phantom uh, penalty. Negate, yeah. hit, negate a touchdown for him, which was a bummer to see, but he really started to emerge too as a threat to stretch the field mm-hmm. um, and really kind of be uh, a security blanket when the plays broke down and stuff like that. So I'm really encouraged to see what, what happens at the receiver position. And I'll let you talk about the one X factor grad transfer from uh, OSU. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, right. So he was everyone's everyone, if everyone could have picked like a offensive breakout player, it would have been Landon Wolf, uh, 5'11", 175 from Oklahoma State. Uh grad transfer as Kyle mentioned. And it uh it's funny, you know, a lot of times these FBS transfers, right? Everyone gets like, Yes, you get an FBS transfer. And then you look at their stats and it's like, well, they had eight receptions for hundred yards and one touchdown against Penn State once. You know, but this guy, this guy's balled out, you know, he's had over 800 yards at Oklahoma State, uh, a great punt returner, very good kick returner, just a good specialist. Um, and he was he was in camp or in on campus in January, but he wasn't able to play because he had played in the fall for Oklahoma State. Um, and he was just people would rave about him. You know, I'd talk to talk to coaches, uh, talk to, you know, some players, parents of players and they're like hey what do you know about this landon wolf like my kids telling me all about Landon wolf <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh and so i'm just excited about him um uh, i i don't know a uh, a third receiver um a, a very reliable um mature receiver i think can can really eat in this offense yeah um especially with teams queuing up to stop pierre yeah and isaiah
0: so yeah and you know what matt i think the most interesting thing that i i recognize when i transferred from from fbs big 10 to fcs was the speed of the game is just like a hair different right so at that level it is a hair different size of the guys who are on the field at any given time is about the same you might have a little bit taller maybe 10 pounds heavier at each position 5 10 pounds give or take but that speed of the game he has been exposed to for the Mm -hmm. majority of his career is really going to pay dividends for him. Um, Not having that overwhelm and really not the no moment being too big, which is what was so great for us to have achieved the success we did in the spring and get Mm -hmm. to the pinnacle because guys are not overwhelmed that we've been in that air for, you know, what, what is it since 2016? We've made the semis, quarters, second round in 19 but that was kind of an anomaly due to injury but we've been there right so all the guys they don't have that overwhelm then you sprinkle in the mix a guy from the big 12 who's done it and been there
1: um i think that's just gonna raise the level of play at that position group as a whole yeah and one thing i thought was cool about landon is that throughout the season you'd see him on the sideline just going crazy too cheering on his teammates you know a guy that had just shown up in january being that invested in in his friend's successes when he was having to sit out Like that, that tells me a lot about the character. And that's something that everyone's talked about with him.
0: You know, and and that's a great point too, because I actually have a mutual contact with, uh, with Eli because, um, or yeah, Wolf, he, he had a a teammate, Micah Cooper, who played running back and was a walk-on and, and a transfer from the D2 level at Oklahoma state. And he showed up and was behind me at the national championship game, which is a testament because, you know, he's not even playing. Yeah. And I mean, Micah lives, he lives in Texas um, or did at the time um, when when he was my client, but just to see him show up and be supportive, obviously that that goes a long way
1: for for Mm -hmm. for showing the type of teammate he was or is very cool. So let's go through just a couple more of the guys that that will contribute this year and then talk about the freshman quick. Uh, Mason Layton, you know, last year, he's that guy that uh, that transferred up um, from Dakota State, set all sorts of records there, bet on himself, came up last year, uh, had a touchdown catch and a couple other receptions. Uh, Terrific hands. That's one of the things I keep hearing about Mason is terrific hands. Um, The third wide receiver from last year, Canyon Bauer out of our Gorman, red shirt, freshman, third year player now for us, uh, coaches are really high on his growth. Um, he's someone that Schleissner singled out during the wide receiver video um, as someone who's really taken a big step forward from the spring. So that's promising because uh, he still did some nice things in the spring as well. Um, he's a good run blocker as well. That's one thing I'd like to like to point out about Canyon. Um, and then you get into a bunch of younger dudes that that really haven't, we haven't got a chance to see yet. So. Um, AJ Coons is again, someone that I mentioned this last week as a potential breakout candidate. Someone told me that he is, uh, Jason Snyder 2.0, which is a heck of a compliment. So if that's true, we are, we are in business. Uh, cause if it wasn't for Jake Wenicky, Jason Snyder might be the best division one wide receiver we've had. Oh, yeah. indeed. I mean, he, well, K. Like, Johnson, eh, K. Eh. Oh, yeah. boundary wide receiver. There we go.
0: Yeah, boundary for sure, and <laughs> a similar body type wide receiver yeah. to, to Jake for sure. That yeah. that prototypical type um, build, and you know, I, I I personally think Jason could still have had a next level career if he didn't want to pursue the the, the pharmacy route. So, I mean, he I mean he was a very smart. It, it kind of a bummer to have you know anything yeah, right. at your fingertips, like all <laughs> options, right. But uh, no, Schneider, Schneider was actually my teammate. So it was great to, it's always great to hear a reference about Schneider. Um, I am really excited to see what Canyon does. You know, I, I personally um, did obviously didn't play in, in my home state. So it's always cool to see guys who played in their home state, stay in their home state and get to see what they do with their ability and their opportunities.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some other guys on the roster that we're just looking at here. Uh, Devin Cole Jr. is the converted quarterback out of Florida. That's uh, you know more of a slot guy, 5'9", 165. Schleissner also mentioned him in his video, uh, and then some younger guys: Nate Sullivan Jr., uh, same high school as Cade Bellevue West. Uh, Playmakers in purple there: uh, Michael Paulson, Angel Johnson, Graham Goring, uh, Tyler Feldkamp is the is the big recruit out of Roosevelt, the Roosevelt. there. Yep. And then the one that you mentioned was Patrick Hoffman. Uh, this is the, he played safety at Northern Illinois last year. This is Mark's teammate from high school. Um, and he ended up here and he's playing wide receiver for us. So still four years of eligibility, five years, really, cause last year didn't count. So, um, who knows? He, he had a nice prep career with Mark, obviously earned a spot at Northern Illinois. Um, we'll see what we have there. So
0: love, love seeing the connection of former teammates that trust, guys wanting to leave places that may have not been the right fit for them um, and coming in and donning t- uh, the blue and yellow, that's gonna be exciting to see what we do with them. Um, I wanna shout out the coaches because we've really um, really staked a flag in in Florida in the Sunshine Territory down South there. So I think that that's gonna really pay dividends um, on both sides of the ball as we start to see um, guys committing to the Jacks.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, so Last year, if we think about it, right, we've gone over the tight end. We've gone over the wide receivers, the running backs, quarterbacks. They scored a a majority of our touchdowns last year, right? Um, So we have to recognize our second sponsor due to Touchdown Tuesday, uh, Jack Garbutt Central, the bookstore, right on campus or downtown or at the stadium. Be sure you stop there, pick up all your Jack's apparel, your Jack's swag, Uh, We mentioned it last week, they go above and beyond in service. Um, So if you need something specially shipped, give them a call, let them know, talk to them. They are great to work with. Um, And we are excited to be partnered with the bookstore uh, or Jackrabbit Central, excuse me, um, with Jackrabbit Illustrated. So uh, thank you again for your sponsorship. We appreciate it. And thank you for literally
0: going the extra mile when uh, the caravan made its way down to Frisco. Um, the customer support staff at the book at Jackrabbit central offered to bring the merch because I ordered the wrong size. Um, technology Sweet. is tough. So, uh, <laughs> love that service guys go pick up some swag, especially for the,
1: uh, upcoming game against, uh, against the Rams. Yes. All right. And get that ordered. Cause that's not too far away. Yes, sir. All right. The tight end group, uh, Kyle, this is your, this is your, these are your boys. Thank so you. tell us about the tight end group, man.
0: appreciated um i mean we have we have i mean we have a bounty of riches right now um i am very encouraged about zach how could you not be encouraged about zach with his frame with what he does blocking just he's a selfless player right um and the next guy who's breaking every record that he could break in the weight room (laughs) right? I, I don't yeah. want to gloss over Zach. He did. He was, came up pivotal in so many moments last year, you and I, and then the national championship also, um, with a huge play late in the game to, to kind of keep us in it. Um, but I am so hyped to see what Tucker does on the field this year, man, what he's done in the weight room. He's taken it so seriously. Um, but he's obviously taking care of his body really well as also at the same time, uh, breaking the power clean record. I don't know if it's a team, if he even, I think he might have the team record for power clean, not just mm-hmm. a position. I know he has uh, was it the squat record, too? Yep. Yep. He has a squat record as well. power clean and squat record. You're talking about pure power right there. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about a guy who's got to move the bar a great distance because he's what six, five, six, four,, yeah. yep. something like that. Again, you talked about it. A kid from a very small school who had to do a lot of things with the ball, um, and then that just only enhanced his ceiling of athleticism. You saw him do some really nice things fourth and one play he gets the first down he's got four to four to five yards under his belt as a rusher mm-hmm. um he started to emerge late the siu game had some pivotal receptions um i'm really encouraged about those two and then your swiss army knife mark Morgan, mike morgan personally yeah. i love because um that was more in my skill set even less uh pass catching ability than mike has i had so seeing a guy you know get his opportunities make one-handed snags like he did last year um incredible catches and uh seeing what he does selflessly trying to be an extension of you know the offensive line in the run game is really nice as well um so man we got a bevy of riches there and i hope we use them
1: yeah it's really interesting you know with with zach and um and tucker specifically you know those two uh both are excellent blocking tight ends you know Zach really does function as an extra offensive lineman, except he can catch and run, you know, afterwards. Um, but I mean, there was just complete times where he cleared out the defensive end, you know, um, on his own, like- And, and folded and allowed, the whole
0: line down a yeah, lot of times yeah,
1: too. Yeah, and that just, you know, allows your tackle or whoever to get up to that second level clean, uh, you know, just create these huge creases for everyone to, to for these backs to run through. So. You know, with with Tucker, um, the one thing I emphasized last week is that after he got hurt against you and I, Stig had said how that affected the offense because they had created plays for him. Like a whole section of the playbook was for him to be utilized as a weapon. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. You know, you mentioned Mike Morgan. Um, like I, I was so impressed with him last year, and the fact that he's played so many different positions in his time at Brookings. Um, that kid's going to have a good understanding of the offense uh, just because, again, he's been a running back, an H-back, a tight end. Now he's listed as an H-back tight end or a fullback tight end. So, um, like, I'm just encouraged by him. Um, He's someone that carried the ball a lot in high school in Illinois. Uh, He was a huge running back there um, that that did big things. So we'll see on that. Um, Skylar Cavanaugh now, it feels like Skylar Cavanaugh has been here forever. Um, but he was a true freshman in Goddard's last year and kind of functioned as our second receiving tight end. Cal Hart was our blocking tight end that year. Um, and Skyler's done some nice things too. He played quite a bit last year with some of the injuries that happened at the tight end position. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens there. Um, it would have been nice to have Blake Coons. We've mentioned yep. that last week, uh, Blake, just, you know, some of those routes up the seam. Uh, I'll forever remember his re- touchdown reception against Kennesaw State in the yep. in the muck. Um, so I'm grateful for his time on the team. Uh, hope he is at peace with his decision and and uh, you know his body can heal and all that good stuff. So yeah. yeah, he he was really enjoyable to watch. Um, and I'm 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 really encouraged that Skyler's
0: had the endurance to kind of stick it out and continue to to hunker down and just try to improve and do what he can excuse me uh, with each you know passing year that he that he still uh, puts on the pads. and I think um, <clears throat> that's a testament to his resolve. Um, it's a testament to the coaches understanding what guys to use for various skill sets, when to spell certain certain players. Um, and then I do want to highlight uh, coach Schleissner, obviously for de- developing some of these guys too, but coach Ryan Olson coming in as a first year coach <clears throat> at the position for tight ends and, and really developing them well. Mm-hmm. And knowing how to kind of uh, cycle in that talent, so yeah, kudos to them, man. It's it's very difficult coming in, earning respect, building rapport with your guys right off the rip, um, and then obviously playing for for the whole shebang. So yeah, um, a lot a lot to be encouraged about every group we've talked about so far.
1: Yeah, just a couple guys, younger guys to mention on this tight end group. Uh, Caleb Schaff is a junior. He'll be looking to get on the travel roster this year. Um, you know, when I've been around practice. Caleb has tremendous hands, like just ridiculous, ridiculous hands. So I'm not sure what's missing there. That's, that's not getting him on the field. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see if he can put it together and make the travel roster this year. Uh, let's go you know, ahead
0: and dominate special teams guys. Yeah, if you're not right. on the travel, if you're not on the travel roster, man, be be the ultimate starter on special teams, do whatever you can to start ingratiating yourself in play so that you can get more play. Mm-hmm. it's just simple arithmetic
1: yep second year player Wyatt Seagren is huge <laughs> another huge body six seven two forty five and then our true freshman Reese Burkhardt his sister Peyton plays on the basketball team Reese is six eight two thirty five uh, he was from Aberdeen Central and played offensive tackle his last year because they needed offensive linemen uh, but the year before he was an all-state tight end and then Reagan Bullweg, um, 6'3", 220 out of Pier, the powerhouse program in Pier now. He's probably more of an H-back Mike Morgan type, um, but tough as nails from from what I've seen about him. He was the one that had like that all South Dakota graduation picture. You know, I think there was uh. mounts, or no, not graduation, signing day picture. There was mounts all behind him in like oh, a cool. Buffalo pelt and like it was perfect. Oh, so, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Hey, hey,
0: when you go about 6'8", two plus, I got a feeling your hand might be touching the ground as a, as a tackle there before long, but, but we'll see how things
1: shake out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move to the 605 hogs. This group uh, returns all five starters, you know, from left to right, uh, Aaron Johnson, Mason McCormick, Wes, Egan Lickus, and uh, Green, Garrett Greenfield, Japers, almost forgot the all American, (laughs) (laughs) you know, the, the four, the four Aaron Johnson, Wes Mason, and Garrett get a ton of accolades, as they should. Um, Egan Lickus, though, has been in and out of the lineup, a starter for four-plus years. This would be his fifth year, essentially, um, really contributing to the offensive line. And he's someone that just doesn't get recognized at all. Um, but I think that Egan moves particularly well for a man his size. Um, you see him on some of Isaiah's big runs, pulling around, trapping. Uh, he excels at that, um, so I, you know. I just wanted to make sure that we mention him uh, because the other four are going to get plenty of love throughout the season because they're just that damn good. So yeah, and I
0: think he had his most uh, consistent year. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to flip to a line on the little graphic there, hey, I thanks. think he had his most just hey, just trying to get the hockey assist. Uh, <laughs> I think he had his most consistent year. Egan did this past year and well, probably one of the most difficult years to. To string it all together, and as you mentioned, you know, you, you flip on the tape, he's coming up big consistently in in nice, you know, gashing runs. But also, um, I think where we needed to solidify <clears throat> uh, a step forward on the offensive line the most was pass pro, right? Because we had some pivotal games last year where our pass pro kind of broke down um, a little bit across the board. You know, Aaron Johnson had some big games but also struggled a little bit against certain type of competition. So to see him, Greenfield and McCormick and Lickus all kind of stringing together with, with big guy Wes in the, in the middle, holding it all down was really encouraging. Mm -hmm. I want to give a shout out. I Mason McCormick one is absolutely nasty when he Mm -hmm. finishes blocks. And I love to see that because I think he was mentored by my guy, Vince Benedetto, who's a tight end. So getting a little, getting a little, uh, tight end mentality finishing blocks there, which is nice. Um, but he is a giant, like I Mm -hmm. didn't realize it's, it's hard to tell how big they are until you see him in person, obviously. But, um, I thought he was about six, three and a half. Maybe he goes six, four flirting with six, five. When I saw him in, in Frisco, he's a giant human. Um, so it's nice to see that, that big tradition of stout offensive linemen, because we're going to go up against some solid lines Mm -hmm. this year, Mm -hmm. especially. Non-conference yeah. and conference.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, one of the one of the guys that um, I think just again quietly had a great year or a very good year last year, and is and is on teams draft radars is Aaron Johnson. You know, he's on the Senior Bowl watch list. Uh, SI put an article out in July that I missed that I saw a couple weeks ago, where he was like the the second rated FCS lineman behind Trevor Penning down at U uh, and I. And I know there's the the cat up in NDSU and the and the guard um, up at UND. So there's a lot of good offensive linemen. Furcron out at Southern Illinois. Yep. So there's you know five six offensive linemen that that either going to be drafted or priority free agents in the valley this year. That's pretty it, cool. It's it's really cool, especially with the success that we've
0: had at the O line position. Mm-hmm. You know, cracking rosters, getting drafted um, in recent memory. Obviously with the school up north, UNI um with spencer brown you know you have a tradition starting to develop right and what i love about aaron is his upside Mm -hmm. in the fact that there were some games that he did have early in his career that were sub you know subpar to his own standard even but that he did he just bounced back Mm -hmm. right you got to flush that stuff because we've all we've all had games where we were just like what the hell was i thinking yeah and uh And you know i love that because that just shows resilience in in this life and in this game if you don't have that you're not going to be able to take a step forward so i want to see them take a step forward this year because they're going to have to with essentially a new quarterback under center i know keaton's played but he didn't start last year Mm -hmm. so i mean it's going to be really exciting to see because this is the unit this is the year that we have to maintain that momentum and even build on it
1: yep Hey, let's just take a break from O-line really quick and go back. Uh, Terry's asked this question, and so I want to make sure we get to it. So looking at the wide receiver group, is it best to be an all-around wide receiver, or is it okay to specialize in a certain area? And for us, the Jacks have just had really good blocking wide receivers for a long time. Like, I, it, it doesn't matter who the coach was, if it was uh, Arnheim or now Schleisner or before him, uh, Josh Davis, you know, those those wide receivers have always blocked. And maybe it's because Stig emphasizes running the ball and, uh, you know, we want to be a physical team. Um, I, I, our, our guys just do it. I, I don't know. Um, Kyle, any insight from being in the huddle and practices and stuff? What is it? What does it look like? One, well, that's a really good question.
0: I appreciate that question. Um, I think that first and foremost, when you put on the pads, th- this is just, of course, just my philosophy, you're a football player first. Mm. You gotta be a football player first because I think that really will allow you to maximize whatever your skill set's gonna be. What I was encouraged in seeing is as we kind of transitioned from early in the year to, to you know trying to hit that deep ball a lot, UND being a game where we took a lot of opportunities at that specifically, to then running the ball a lot, Southern Illinois. I don't really think we took many shots after the first couple drives. Um, that shows, all right. How can you respond to the flow of the game, and then how can you respond to the kind of the complexion of your offensive strategy as a season progresses, right? So, to kind of put a bow on on my answer to that, I would say one: you got to know your own skill set. For instance, Kay Johnson is not going to be a, a heavily relied upon blocker now is he going to need to block when the time comes absolutely but he did if you go look at the tape Mm -hmm. Jackson Yankee is not first and foremost going to be a blocker we need to get him the ball we need to get him the ball in space we need to let him go to work same thing with Jaden and Canyon obviously looking at his frame he's not going to be a big blocker but we need to be selfless enough to extend those plays to maximize what we can get out of them in terms of runs and then obviously we need to be selfless enough if we're going to run tunnel screens bubble screens and things like that to try to extend those plays so to put a bow on it you got to know your skill set and uh you just got to be selfless
1: to be well-rounded mm-hmm. exactly exactly yeah. chad yep thanks uh terry for the question chad chiming in there appreciate it uh all right so now that we've talked about the starting offensive line uh let's let's talk about the depth and this was my area of concern uh with the news that bo donald isn't gonna be ready for the start of the season and, and uh uh is not either um Ethan Vibbert or not Ethan Vibbert sorry uh Evan Evan Bernson jeepers uh Evan Bernson's not gonna be ready so um you know we have Eddie Miller who's played a lot of ball for us um he's going to be the primary backup on the interior I think uh Jalen Lee is a freshman uh, a second year player that they're really high on out of Illinois um Ian Bass and Jason Titus have both uh, taken some live reps before in game, um, even though they're experienced. And then we have a whole host of young players that that have not seen the field yet. <laughs> you know, or John Grootsmacher. Jeez, how could I forget Groots, like the biggest person I've <laughs> ever seen? So <laughs> can't miss him. Yeah. I think it goes uh Phil Lodeholt and then John Grootsmacher, like in the two <laughs> biggest people I've seen in my life. So <laughs> <laughs> one time so i did grad school at mankato i think you know this kyle but yep. uh the vikings used to do camp there and i'm walking from my car um uh, there's north of campus from the library and there's phil lodeholt just like holy shit, this guy's huge like and I, I, I like the packers so i didn't want his autograph necessarily but man what a big human sorry sidebar there yeah we need to move on after yeah. that last comment that you yeah. said about the packers but, you know, some of the other young guys, uh, Ethan Eilers, I'm really excited about. He's a freshman out of Iowa, um, 6'5", 265, tackle prospect probably. Um, Adam White as well, 6'4", 275. Um, Jarrett Blumenraider has converted a tight end to to guard now. Uh, heard really good things about him and his development, 6'6", 285. So you talked about that size thing. Maybe uh your hand won't be in the ground <laughs> yeah yeah I'm sorry Jarrett um <laughs> so yeah offensive line is just an unknown right now when I said that's an area of concern for me it's not that I don't think they can do it um it's just that right now it's it's an unknown so yeah and shout out to Jarrett Blumenrader from Highmore
0: Herald High School my uh teammate Casey Cuppy is uh, an alumnus there as well so
1: yeah and his coach you know is uh uh big red so Here. Yeah. All right. So let's move on. We're on to uh, the non-conference schedule, and Kyle, you did some some digging in here. What can you tell us? Uh, well, I'm going to table Colorado State first, uh, and just kind of talk
0: about. Um, obviously, you're going to see Lindenwood on the on the roster. There's some Sioux Falls connections there. Uh, Coach Stig is is friendly with the staff, so um, that's that's kind of how I think they emerged uh, into the fold. Um, being on the roster. They're also regional being not too far away. I think either in Kansas or Missouri, I always get them confused. Pardon me, guys. If you're from there, I apologize collectively. Um, so Lindenwood, I'm a little bit bummed that we have a D two school on the roster. Um, that is a function of last year in Tarleton, uh, trying to get out of, out of their home and away game with us. Um, Tarleton is actually right down the road from me in Stephenville, Texas, and they're a D2 transitioning school, much like Dixie State you're seeing on the schedule here. Um, So Tarleton and Dixie State are going to be members of the WAC, which is reigniting football after they um, dismantled. Yeah, they imploded uh, due to the realignment that happened with uh, that other big red team uh, from from the South in 2010. They kind of got the ball rolling on trying to dip out of their conference um, for those of you who don't understand what I'm saying, Nebraska. Um, yeah. yeah, they've had a miserable go of it. Um, but anyways, so Lindenwood's going to be on the on the schedule there. Tarleton got out of it. Uh, the WAC is reigniting a football conference uh, team that we uh, dropped the heartbreaker to in Frisco. Sam Houston is going to be a part of that joint kind of hodgepodge conference. It's the WAC along with what are they calling themselves? this year
1: uh, yeah it's the to the east yeah uh anyways it's, yeah. It's, it's a it's a hodgepodge mixed
0: name of like two conferences so that they can have i think enough squads to meet mm-hmm. the requirements to get into a playoff uh consideration yep. for an auto bid yep. so that's going to be taking place um dixie state is a is a school that's also a d2 tr- uh, transition school um, so they're going to enter the fold. They got a, a good tradition at the D2 level, a better tradition than Lindenwood. Um, so you got a D2 school, a transitional school, D1 school, and then you got an FBS school. So mm-hmm. I know this is no fault of, of, uh, Mr. Cell, uh, our AD, but it is so hard for us to schedule mm-hmm. consistently FCS home games against FCS opponents. And I, I want to see that start to change. And I hope maybe it has something to do with getting there. I know people have to fly into Sioux Falls and that can be a strain on the.
1: Yeah. All right. Kyla's thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. So we're going to go forward here. All right. Um, one thing that I was, Kyle's mentioning the difficulty in scheduling um, That that I was thinking about is that this year there's no, we don't have a big sky opponent for the big sky valley challenge. We're one of the only teams that doesn't. Um, and so that was disappointing. Uh, I really do wish, like Kyle had said there, that that we had been able to uh, get a Big Sky opponent on the schedule. Um, that really would have helped with the scheduling instead of Lindenwood. I mean, even having Tarleton and Dixie State on the schedule in the same year—I don't know how how motivating is that to a fan base. Um, love to get a team out of the Ohio Valley um, to come to come west. You know, we'd have to pay them probably. Um, to get here but it would still be still be worth it i think just again for a better team because lindenwood's going to come in we're going to break beat the brakes off them um hopefully knock on wood sorry lindenwood um this might be bulletin board material now and that's something we never want to do so um but we'll see it it, it's also a good chance to to kind of see some of these younger pieces and get them some live reps too so Gonna move on to the conference schedule and hope that Kyle comes back with us. So we'll start off here. um, Between Lindenwood and Dixie State, the Jacks start at Indiana State. Now, if you remember from the spring season, Indiana State didn't participate. Um, They just chose, they thought COVID was gonna be too big of a mess. So before the season even started, they pulled out and said, no thanks. We're we're gonna just do a normal spring and spring ball. Um, Kurt Mallory is still their head coach. I still think he's a good coach. It was three years ago when they, two years ago now, three, geez, COVID's messed all time up. So three seasons ago when they had a really impressive, uh, really impressive team. Good quarterback, good running back, big offensive line. Um, So I don't know. I haven't looked into Indiana State that much at this point in the schedule. Um, But but i know that kurt mallory is going to have them ready to play he's a good coach and so i'm looking at indiana state too um it's not going to be an easy game there um they have a weird field it's not a great atmosphere um and and again i I believe in mallory and i think that uh they used the spring probably to to get better because two years ago their team was disappointing when their quarterback got hurt they were lost he's retired and moved on um and so who knows what he's been cooking up, Kyle. Welcome back. Yeah. Uh, my closing thoughts on the non-conference schedule were just that I wish that echoing what you had said, that we had had a, a, a game in the big sky Valley challenge. We don't this year. We're one of the only Valley teams that doesn't. And I wish we did. That would have been a, a better option than either uh, Tarleton or Lindenwood, in my opinion. C- certainly. So. And to just touch on it, obviously don't want to put any
0: false uh, sense of urgency or, or any undue pressure on, on, on anything here, but when you play a D2 school, it makes that FBS game so much more valuable mm-hmm. um, in terms of playoff consideration. Now being in the valley, just our conference schedule alone is gonna is gonna help us there kind of offset that. But um, yeah, that's only the the only really, I guess uh, thorn in the side as far as all that goes. Um, and then to your point about Indiana State, you know, we haven't played them in a minute. Um, I, I guarantee you they've used the the spring to get better. And then to give you a little love, obviously Robert Tanyan playing okay. for the Packers there. Dominic got, Daphne, too. That's right. They've had no shortage of talent uh, come through that program. And, you know, NDSU hasn't lost a lot of games, but going back to even 20, mm-hmm. 2012, 2013 ish, I can't remember when it was, they dropped one to Indiana mm-hmm. State. Um, so that's always one you're going to need to look at. Uh, I don't know if you talked about SIU, but no nope, yeah. We're just yep. moving on. Yep. Perfect. So SIU um, has a lot of talent coming in and transfer options. I um, believe they added a running back from Western Carolina as a grad transfer who's uh, got some ability. And then obviously, um, did Stone LeBanowitz move on? Have we. So Stone's no.
1: going to be their starter and Baker's their second, it sounds like. That's interesting. Yeah, they're um, going with Stone. So Stone, Stone's been able to,
0: to get a lot done for him, obviously, uh, contributing to a win against UMass doing what he did last year, kind of having some yips here and there. Um, especially against our, our game down there, but that's going to be a pivotal game that obviously it's hard to beat a team a lot and we've beaten them a lot. Um, and we've beaten them handedly a lot, but then now they're going to have more angles of attack. That's just how it goes. So, mm-hmm. um, You know, it's going to be really, really interesting. And I would agree, Kurt, I can't imagine a time when the Valley has been
1: stronger and deeper top to bottom. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. One thing about SIU that I've been thinking about as well is that in their game against Brookings, they, in Brookings for the playoffs, they were without a number of starters along the defensive line. And those young players played pretty darn well. Um, You know, they, they were disruptive against our rushing attack. Um, they just ran out of juice uh, along that defensive line, but if they get back those those starters, I believe Chucky e. Sullivan, uh, one of their big defensive tackles, moved on, transferred. Uh, the Maddox brothers, the twins, they transferred out, but then <laughs> Southern Illinois brought in like three different transferred defensive backs. Plus, they still have James Caesar uh, and Quay Brown, two two players that are on NFL watch lists. Quay so, Brown is a
0: handful. Yeah. Yeah, when he makes timely plays. So yep. they're going to be tough. I mean, and, you know, I don't know if you want to move on, but moving on to WIU right after that, mm-hmm. you know, that could be uh, an instance that you want to look at not having a, a hangover game because yep. SIU is going to be really tough. Um, hopefully we can fly to, to Illinois for the WIU game. I don't know how that's going to go. Typically, historically, we've bust and it's been a nightmare. Yep. Um, It's just a really <laughs> tough place to get into a lot like you know, way way more difficult to get into even than Sioux Falls and get to Brookings. But yep. um that's a nightmare. So hopefully that doesn't happen.
1: And their offense too is weird, you know, that spread that speed spread offense, whatever it is. Last year, their defense was not very good at all. They were their defense was bad. Um, but their offense is loaded with playmakers if they can get in space. Um, and if the offensive line can give some time, WIU can sneak up and bite you. I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if they win a couple games this year. So I mean, like like yeah. Kurt
0: said, this is the deepest I've I've seen the valley. Um, you know, you at you at YSU in Youngstown, that's mm-hmm. going to be tough, man. We they schemed us really well last year. Granted, mm-hmm. we didn't play up to our potential. We played down to our mm-hmm. opponent, but you know that quarterback Mark. Uh, I believe his name is Mark as well can't Mm -hmm. fully remember his last name but you know obviously all world at at, uh in ohio as a prep kid and so if he can string it together and not turn the ball over as much you know they're going to be they're going to be a difficult test as well
1: yeah mark wade right this is his name i believe um they brought in a former army quarterback three-star quarterback so they're having an open competition this year YSU is, and they have Mm -hmm. not named a starter yet either Um, and and, that would be dangerous if if they move to more of a
0: scheme where it's like hey we're not going to abandon the pass, but we're going to use it super timely, a lot mm-hmm. like the Jacks have done, a lot like North Dakota State has done, to mm-hmm. where they can really dictate the
1: tempo and flow of a game, which is yep. a killer, as you can see. Yep. Let's back up just for a second. We host you and I on Hobo Day. And as I mentioned last week, you and I scares me because they have no one's talking about you and I this year, but they were a top 10 team last year to start the season that had some really bad injuries and that had mediocre quarterback play if they can get a decent showing out of their quarterback again, similar to his true freshman year when he shocked the world at Iowa State and played really well and ran around like crazy. I mean, they have some good receivers. They have some decent backs, a, a huge offensive line. Everyone knows that. you and I has huge offensive line every year. Uh, their defense is going to be tough as nails again. You and I uh, – why do we schedule yeah. them for Hobo Day? <laughs> Maybe to up the ante. I don't know,
0: but it, yeah. you really uh, – you really struck some solid points there. I think they're always going to be well coached. Farley's mm-hmm. going to have really good, good schemes. I think the interesting thing is his, uh, I think his stubbornness and his maybe overconfidence in his team last year kind of bit him in terms of his game management uh, down at the, down in, in the Unidome. But um, we're going to have him at home, which is always nice, right? Mm-hmm. Different, different atmosphere, different environment. They're used to playing in Brookings. They played a lot in Brookings over the years. So um i wouldn't i would expect a great fan showing for hobo day maybe that's why they schedule them because if we get a, a really good showing that puts a lot of pressure on them so that could be yep. could be an option so hopefully there's a huge turnout there usually always is for hobo day but get there and be loud um mm-hmm. as far as McIlvain, he has been pretty inconsistent right and you know there's a lot that went into play there i would say you and i had probably the most adversity to overcome last year mm-hmm. uh for teams in the valley and that's saying a lot because every team had a lot of adversity to overcome yeah. right them and ndsu especially so but when you look at they lost their offensive coordinator just before they were playing us i believe mm-hmm. um who took a job with the the Whackers uh in the
1: in the uh old nfc north there but uh yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> one one challenge that I want to lay out, and I'll we'll talk about this more, is that in that opening game last year, Jared Brinkman made Mason, and Wes and Egan uh, look silly at times. Like he Brinkman is is a beast. He's the best defensive tackle in in the FCS, um, and so I I would like to see our offensive line uh, take take what they've learned since then and. And, and dominate him do their yeah. best to dominate him because because he took it to us you know he wrecked the game in that opening game last year
0: he really did and he really he he really helped them climb back because they were very stagnant offensively and our defense mm-hmm. was really doing an excellent job and he really did shift the momentum almost single-handedly yeah. um you know part well, of that could be
1: offensive tackle Jeez.
0: definitely i mean <laughs> i didn't see the wide version i only saw you know the broadcast version and seeing the tight film kind of would help mm-hmm. help you know, see how some things shaped up there, especially with a freshman quarterback. Was he seeing all the looks? Was he taking the right opportunities early to kind of alleviate Brinkman's rush? But, you know, like you said, a lot of times what I want to see Wes do more from a technical standpoint is not get caught uh, leaning too much. And, you know, that's tough from a center position and I never played it. So I don't want to assume that I know all the technical aspects of it, but, you know, having a better base of support um, so that he can, uh, not have his weight used against him would be great especially against solid pass pass rushers like uh like brinkman from the interior there but you know you you've made a great point matt and i i really uh i'm confident that the guys will take a step
1: yeah all right we talked about ysu ndsu we've talked about so much over the years uh the, the big, their big question mark right now is quarterback uh they have the transfer. From Virginia Tech, Quincy Patterson. He goes to the same quarterback coach that Mark has, the throw it deep quarterback school. Uh, so you know he's going to be technically sound. He's going to have good feet. He's gonna he's going to know what he's looking at. Um, you know. Then they have the the guy that started last year um, that, that replaced Zeb. I cannot think of his name, but he's from the same school. Cam uh, Miller. Cam Miller. Thank you from Solon, Iowa. Yep. And then the cat out of uh, out of Omaha, Cole Payton that uh, supposedly Iowa State and Iowa and Nebraska were calling, but he wasn't answering after he'd committed to the Bison. So uh, we'll see um, what happens out of that uh, three-man race. Their defense is gonna have to take a step this year. Um, It wasn't the same NDSU defense as we've typically seen. We know um, on the interior, they have some youth, Javier Derrett and the Mostert brothers um, out of Lakeville South. Yep. they they showed some flashes last year but they also showed that they're freshmen. Yep. And I think for NDSU to truly dominate, they have to be strong in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um and that's and that was what was lacking last year. So we'll see if they can rebound. Any thoughts on the Furry Cows? Yeah, I, I would say Patterson is going to is going to do some good
0: things under center there, I would imagine. Um as long as is he he plays within himself, I would expect him to bounce back from a, a very subpar Showing uh, from their standard in the spring, I would say they're really depleted at running back too. I mean, needing to dip into the fullback ranks, which you know they weren't they weren't opposed to doing, it and they really never are. Um, with Hunter Lipke um, having some success, so that only adds to their their repertoire to be able to kind of deploy different looks and just mm-hmm. being able to have that in in the toolkit is only going to be able to uh, force teams to have to prepare for more. Right? We talked about Coach Dig not naming a starter. Um, having to go back into 2019 film to look at Heidi, hopefully Colorado State's mm-hmm. going to be burdened with. But, you know, so when you look at Phoenix Sproles didn't line up last year in the spring, and he he is kind of a dynamic playmaker. Um, so having that for Patterson and then, you know, Christian Watson is, in my opinion, the most intriguing potential pro prospect in the Missouri Valley uh, from a team other than the Jacks. I would say just because, I mean, look at his return ability to hit a home run and and really what you look at obviously like if you look at Dallas Goddard and what he's been able to do in the NFL guys that actually have stay power in the NFL from the FCS rank have to dominate Mm -hmm. and and Watson's shown he can literally take over an entire game Mm -hmm. so it'll be interesting to see I'm glad we play him later in the year um, to see how teams scheme for both Watson and see what Sproles does and obviously see what Patterson does um, but I like our odds, especially being that we we were the bully last year in the trenches.
1: Yep. Agreed. Moving on to the Yotes. Uh, this is a good comment. Jason Ward beat them 77 to 13. Jim poppin. Uh, last time they acted like they won the state championship. We need to take them to the woodshed. Yes, absolutely. And Jim, I got in trouble with coyote nation, uh, last spring when I questioned, uh, their COVID, their COVID issues before the week before our game and before they shut down their season. um, In my opinion, they had nothing to play for. And they had a ton of young players that were playing. Um, I'm guessing that that he didn't want to get those players uh, abused in that manner that was going to happen down there or in Brookings last year. So that's my conspiracy theory for the day. Uh, Any thoughts, Kyle? Um, You know, I USD, I will say, Um, Jack Cochran is a good middle linebacker I really like his play Um, and then what I saw out of their freshman quarterback um, last year he can really sling the ball Um, I don't want to be disrespectful to him they have playmakers on the outside they have a good quarterback Um, their issues continue to be in the trenches can they get average offensive line play and can they start building some depth along the defensive line those are their two biggest questions
0: those are the two biggest questions. And I think those are the two biggest limitations that they've had Mm -hmm. since they've transitioned to the classification. Because if you look at it, I mean, they've had talent. Uh, They've had chase at the wide receiver position. who was a really good player. Um, They've had some good tight end play. They've had Chris Strebler, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Chris Strebler never seemed to rise fully to the occasion when he was playing the Jacks, but he still did put up points and enough to win. If he got help and assistance from the defensive side of the ball, in the offensive line, you know, I mean, so really in the trenches and get folks listening, you start to see this trend emerge. Where's the game one? You can have all the skill talent in the world, but if you can't protect the quarterback, you can't rush the passer. It's null and void. It doesn't matter. Um, So, I mean, I'm really excited about what the Jacks have done. And obviously I think we have one of the best offensive line coaches, defensive line coaches uh, in the country as well. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. seeing what we've been able to historically do to USD, I hope we take the game as just another game and play to our potential because we should take them to the woodshed this year.
1: Yep. Jason Ward. I don't know where you've come from, my friend, but I like that you're on the chat here. So he's going to be in Verm with his tailgate. He's going to trap a coyote and put it on his grill. So Jason, good luck to you on your hunt, man. <laughs> oh, man. Good I wonder what that tastes like.
0: <laughs> yeah. You ever right. tasted coyote? What does it, t-
1: what does it taste <laughs> I've like? never had it. No. Um, UND. Let's talk about UND. They were the surprise team from the spring season. Uh Tommy Schuster, you know, low expectations. I don't think anyone had them. You know, you know, if you had told me coming into the fall 2021 season, Tommy Schuster was going to be the all-conference quarterback, I would have said, who? Uh, but Tommy Schuster had a heck of a a heck of a spring season, and he is just consistent. Um, their their defense was, you know, playing like their hair was on fire. Uh, throughout the year they're undersized but they are aggressive um and uh that big wide receiver they have he's a stud so i uh, can't think of his name off the top of my head but uh yeah do, yeah i don't i don't know i just yeah that, they they caught my attention i just was really surprised how they did in the valley in year one
0: i couldn't agree more and i i, I want to just say how impressed i was with how well coached they were <laughs> i really i really do i know coach stig and, and bub are are friends and they go way back to uh to baseball days, I guess. But one of the most interesting things that I saw out of Schuster, to your point, Matt, was how, and we had a question that kind of ties it in about receiver play earlier in the pod. Mm -hmm. Um, He played within his skill set. He didn't try to do too much. Uh, Yeah, I think Tammy asked the question about receivers as well, but Mm -hmm. he he didn't try to do too much. It was a definite surprise. Now, the caveat is they play well at home, Jim. Exactly. Took the words right out of my mouth. We have some good fans here, but they play well at home. And hopefully we start to recognize how big of an advantage we have when we, when we show out as a fan base, because what we did in Frisco should not, I I got a chance to talk to coach Stig about it um, this summer when I rode up there for a wedding, it was remarkable to see how awesome the SDSU fan base traveled and -hmm. how they showed out and how loud they were and how big of a difference maker that was. I was thoroughly shocked. Um, So let's do that this year. Uh, Let's recognize that UND plays well at home. Um, maybe it was the shocker. Maybe they had the the chip on the shoulder there, but I think by and large, the Valley may catch up with them this year. Um, mm-hmm. but Schuster's going to be Schuster still, he's going to play with himself and coach Schweigert knows his team. So they're, they're not a team we can overlook just like no other team
1: in the Valley is a team you can overlook. Mhm, mhm. All right. Getting back to some running back comments here. Jamal, uh, Jeff Skinner, uh, what do we get here, Jeff? Yeah, exactly. This schedule, Jeff is absolutely right. Kyle, and this is to reiterate what you said. Um, you know, yep. there's going to be a ton of Jackrabbit fans in Colorado State. Uh, we have a fun article coming up this week on the blog from Austin Sumner. Uh, Let's he's, go, he's, Sumner. He's, Yeah, he's lived in, uh, in uh, Fort Collins for six years. He put together a, a list of do's, things we need to do when we're out there. That's going to be up on the blog this week. Thank you, Austin, for doing that, taking the time to do that. I'm, I'm sure, sure many of
0: that. those are going to be golfing.
1: <laughs> yeah right right, you like so, to get out there. <laughs> so so let's start this. You know, down in Frisco, you're right, Kyle. Like that was awesome. You know, we were an hour away from Sam Houston, uh, their campus, but we had the better fan base, hands down. Uh, and you know, Colorado State's going to be good. Let's start building momentum for all these home games because this is just going to be incredible. So yeah, and I don't want to oversell it,
0: but just being able to experience that. and and seeing, you know, Notre Dame, uh, and, uh, and Purdue play and going into the horseshoe as a kid in Ohio state and just seeing all of these, these different venues and what it's like at capacity and then seeing a venue that's built for soccer at Toyota Mm -hmm. stadium here in Frisco, but to know what's on the line and to see all the friendlies in blue and yellow travel and really travel better than a local team. Mm -hmm. and to see those conditions and to see what happened. man, the sky is the limit. If guys if all you guys show out and there's only what four or five home games a year, Mm -hmm. Uh, four or five home games a year for three hours. That's 15 to 20 hours your fall that you can dedicate to doing something fun and supporting these kids dreams of winning a title. So I mean, what more what more could you
1: ask for? Yeah. So with that, oh, oh, we got to do one last sponsor before we close out here. To shenanigans, get to shenanigans tomorrow in Sioux Falls to, to cheer on the Sioux Falls Little League uh, that's playing the the Little League World Series. Uh, they won their first game. Their game today got delayed, so I believe uh, first pitch it. tomorrow is two p.m. Uh, for them, and so that's a huge opportunity to go to shenanigans, be with some other South Dakotans to cheer on these young these young kids uh, playing a great sports. Uh, man. And then shenanigans just in general, just really appreciate their support. Um, And uh, can't wait to do some watch parties down there for some of the road games. Shenanigans is an absolute staple
0: as a transplant coming to South Dakota, you know, hearing everybody talk about it's just, uh, it's nostalgic, and I love it. Get to shenanigans and watch uh, your local boys show out on the diamond.
1: Yeah. All right. So preview of next week, Kyle and I will be talking about the defense. And what was the other thing, Kyle? Previewing in CSU baby. Yeah, Previewing Colorado State. We're going to paint Canvas Stadium with a bunch of hot L's because next Sunday, Kyle. Like, that's that's game week. Can't wait. Yeah. Bart Sunday, we, Sunday, we have a show Thursday, I get on a plane.
0: Yes. You're flying out. I'm driving out. Oh, before we go, just want to do a little plug. We have uh, I'll be traveling with where we get, some of these nice jackrabbit illustrated splitting hairs yetis. If you would like one, there's a limited supply. I'll be traveling with those so you can pick them up um, to support the pod. And uh, we're doing a little test run with merch here. Um, we're looking at if, if people would like clothes that's Jackrabbit Illustrated brand, we're probably going to start there. But we would like to eventually uh, potentially partner uh, and license the Jackrabbit logo. So to do so, we'll probably be putting out feelers with some polls on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. if, so if you're on Twitter, you are interested, please weigh in there. So we can kind of do a a dry run of what the interest would be for merch because it's hard. You know, we're just we're doing this as a hobby, but we appreciate all the support from our sponsors and we'd love to give you guys some merch if if you're interested.
1: Yep. And Brendan did put out that poll for flags. Uh, About 60 people, I think, said they'd take a J.I. flag. Love it. So that's pretty cool. Um, So we'll let you know some more details on that as as they become available. So Thank you for this for the support, everyone. Can't wait to see you and meet you in Colorado State uh, in Fort Collins, for Colorado State. Uh, with that, go big, go blue, go
0: Jacks. This has been the Splitting Hairs podcast. Remember to like and subscribe, as well as follow Jackrabbit Illustrated on Facebook and Twitter.
1: Last time they acted like they won the state championship, and he banged into the woodshed. Yes, absolutely. And Jim, I got in trouble with Coyote Nation.